Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Clash of the Titles, Farch, the podcast that for one week only this March pits two movies with something in common picked by fans of the show and puts them in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious. This week, in the red corner, writer and director Martin McDonough's debut feature as Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson bicker their way around Belgium because it's 2008 and we're in Bruges. While in the blue corner, writer and director Martin McDonough's most recent feature as Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson argue their way around Ireland because it's 2022 and were with the Banshees of Inner Sharon. Around in your sorrows, huh? What sorrows? You know, being a sad old ugly little man. One gay beer, please. How'd your date go? My date involved two instances of extreme violence. One instance of her hand on my cock and my finger up her thing, which lasted all too briefly. And then I was the way. One instance of me stealing five grams of a very high quality cocaine and one instance of me blinding a puffy little skinhead. So all in all, my even pretty much balanced out fine. You got five grams of coke? I got four grams on me and one gram in me, which is when my heart is going like the clappers as if I'm about to have a heart attack. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. It's eight weeks since my last confession, I think. Go on, Colin. Uh, just the usual, I suppose, Father, the drinking and the impure thoughts and a bit of pride, I suppose, although I never really saw that as a sin, but you're, I'm here now. And how's the despair? Not so much of it of late, thanks be. And why aren't you talking to Parik Sullivan no more? That wouldn't be a sin now, would it, Father? It wouldn't be a sin, no, but it's not very nice either, is it? Show oh, it's a massive McDonough melee this week, but which film will be victorious? Let's find out. Welcome to Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken! Hello, Clash Butters. How can fucking swans not be somebody's fucking thing? I'm Alex Zane. <laughs> I'm Vicky I'm Chris Tilly. Happy birthday! Yay! Oh, thank you. 21 again. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Happy birthday, old man. How are you feeling? Good. Yeah? yeah? Yeah, nice to be with uh, the pair of you. 
Yeah. Rather than stuck at home. What a privilege to be with you on your birthday. Mm. Yeah. I feel very lucky. Yeah, and doing two films I'm super excited about. Mm. It's fallen fallen nicely. But genuinely, how old are you? Just a year, a year and a week older than you. <laughs> 37. <laughs> there we go. Yep. That put him on the spot. Yep, exactly. Good, good, good. Uh, well, a uh, very happy birthday. Thank it's you. It's great to be spending it with you. Uh, and indeed, welcome to Farch, our one and only listener-suggested pairing this March. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just actually checking because I, we know what the rest of March is. I'm just, maybe maybe we've nicked some others as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's not beyond the realms of possibility, but no. this But this was an accidental one, really. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and also, if we're stealing them, it means you have come up with some great suggestions for us that we are going to credit you for as and when we use them. As and when we remember to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah that, But this, this actually also came out of me a few weeks ago, the Wednesday Clash queue. I asked the audience uh, what of this year's Oscar-nominated best pictures we should do in a clash, mm. and Daydreamer, uh, a.k.a. Demo Tenenbaum, um, suggested this. Same director, same leads, both dark comedies, both great films. But then that made me look in the Google oh God, this mail fucking account. Google document. <laughs> and yes, Lawrence Sainsbury suggested this pairing as well a few oh. weeks ago. So this is Lawrence and... Uh, Lawrence and Damo. But uh, Lawrence has sent a proper email. Is it time to read that out? Yeah, go on. Let's hear from him. Okay. In Bruges v Banshees of Insharen. Uh, tragic comedies made by many of the same people. Male friendships and the differing values you can have from your friends. Mental illness shown in different ways. Violent and cruel authority figures. In Bruges available on Netflix and most charity shops. <laughs> um, uh, he also says, thanks so much for making the pod. You've caused me to watch so many great films. A Few Good Men and Rosemary's Babies went straight into my top ten and I definitely wouldn't have seen them if not for the pod. Wow. I'm all in. Mm. Um, P.S. I watched the full Monty recently. I hate to say it, but I think Vicky might be right. It's all in the way he says Why it. Why I hate to say it? Why oh I hate to say it? God. Why I hate to say because it? Because it's not right. <laughs> because it's not possible. I just, I'm that's curious. I mean, I don't want to snag on that. Lawrence, no. <laughs> it's not right. Do not open this can of worms. Uh, I also, I believe he called it Rosemary's Babies, which if there is a sequel in the works, it should Brilliant. definitely be that. She has twins this time. There is a new Rosemary's Baby in the works oh, coming out this year, I think. I think it's a prequel. Okay. Mm. Nice. Uh, all right, so the clue V gave on last week's show was... Um, I'll have a Martin McDouble, please. One with waffles and one with fish. And if that wasn't easy enough, what happened, Chris? Uh, we posted both shows at the same time on Monday. <laughs> so if you wanted to cheat, you could. And I think some people did. So I didn't bother putting up a second clue. Yeah. So the guesses were arguing on our Twitter at ClashPod. If you want to give us a follow, we're also on Instagram and TikTok at ClashPod as well. And if you're in the business for a little extra class of the visual variety, completely free of charge, why not subscribe to our Clash of the Titles YouTube channel? So who won this week with the first correct guess? By which I mean, who finished the episode first and literally wrote <laughs> the films that were announced on Twitter? Congratulations who all of you who listened to the pod first thing and heard the films announced, Gemma Page, Andrew Logan, Mark Lewis, Matt T, Gary Bailey, Rich Cracknell, but the first person to listen to the episode, hear the films announced and get on Twitter... Well done, Matt. Listen to the episode, jump to the end, maybe. <laughs> also, let's be fair, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that people heard Vicky's clues and got the answer. That is true. That's right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, Which is what I like. It was an easy clue. Yeah, it was. It was an easy clue. Uh, so, Matt, uh, your prize is a weekend away on the fabulous island of Inner Sherin. Atle protected, terms and conditions apply. Please note, Inner Sherin does not actually exist. Connection section, Mark McDonough, Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, boom. Yeah. Uh, Colin Farrell is a lovable baby. Colin Farrell cries. 
Mm. Existential crises, questioning faith, ethical codes, morality, confession. Um, Killing something by accident. Yes. Child and a donkey get killed by accident. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, Brendan likes culture in both. Colin doesn't. (laughs) Yep. Melancholy. Yeah, despair. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, In both films, Colin asks Brendan to go to the pub and Brendan says no. (laughs) Name check places me and my family's from in Bruges, Croydon, in um, uh, Banshee's Kildare. Nice. Yeah, very per- bit personal. That's lovely. <laughs> I felt like he's making these films for me. Yes, you should. Uh, I've got one. It's quite good. Um, apologies for the use of the R word. I am quoting. In In Bruges, Colin says, if I grew up on a farm and was retarded, Bruges might impress me, which isn't a million miles away from his character description in Banshees of Inner Sharon. Mm. Yeah. Uh, women calling men out on their immaturity and stupidity. That's what the hotel owner does in the first film and Siobhan spends the second film doing. Mm-hmm. Any more for any more? No. no. A lot of connections, though. A lot. More than we thought. Yes. All right, then. So, on Thursday, I'll be screaming like a banshee of inner Sharon, which means today Chris is heading to Belgium. Sadly, not to the city Vicky is sponsored by, Ghent. <laughs> <laughs> I do also like Bruges. Oh, do you? But it's not Ghent. I've said it before. The, the contract was for Ghent. <laughs> the contract to talk about all those chips. Oh, that beer. That beer. Oh, yeah. that beer. And Just, the yeah. Just the vibes. Just the vibes. Castle. It's got a castle. Yep. So, if anyone from the Ghent tour board is listening we're happy to do a live show <laughs> in Ghent we'll go there via Megabus <laughs> uh, right rather than being Ghent he is in Bruges Chris take us on a journey this is the story of a pair of foul-mouthed hitmen who are sent to Bruges following a botched job only to find themselves in a metaphorical and at times literal purgatory That's my synopsis, but I also checked out how Media Guide described it. A website concerned with the darkness we're bombarded with by movies and aims to propel uplifting and positive content. This is how they described the movie. Strong mixed pagan worldview with strong Christian content and some moral issues discussed but not resolved in an uplifting way. Okay. (laughs) At least 153 mostly strong obscenities, many F-words, five or six strong profanities and three light profanities. Very strong violence includes shootings with blood and some gore, man force and great heights and fighting, chasing and suicidal attempts. Though one suicide is prevented deliberately. Implied fornication and prostitution, references to getting prostitutes and no sex, no nudity... Good. Uh, alcohol use and drunkenness, smoking, drug use, a man steals cocaine and pills from two drug dealers. And man spouts racist theories when high and drunk, then later apologises and blames it on the cocaine. <laughs> How's that for a synopsis? It's a hell of a synopsis. I mean, it's sort of weird that they're using the word pills. It, it yeah, seems, it's like they know. Yeah, it's sort of like, who's running <laughs> yeah. this website? We're, we're the moral compass, but yeah. we're not going to say ecstasy tablets. We're yeah. going to say pills. Well, I, also, I think because it's more colloquial. They should have said dr- just drugs. Yeah, sure. But they identified them as dead. Definitely pills. Also, what is what's? Why do you need to report? There's there's chasing in this. <laughs> At what point is someone going? Does it, I need to know if there's chasing in the film because that will that's unacceptable. That's a red line. For also, me. I feel like Media Guide uh, is writing something that's designed to put you off watching the film. Yeah, I'm not walking. I'm running to see this based on that description. Um, speaking of which, did you walk or run to see this movie, Alex? I, I've, I've definitely seen it once before. I definitely watched it at home. I, this is the second viewing for me. That is all I really have. I don't remember 
a lot about this, which could be either wine or it just wasn't very memorable. <laughs> oh, oh, I've got one of them covered up. Vicky? It was a word of mouth thing. So around mm. the time it came out, a friend of mine saw it and she just kept going on. She just kept saying, you've got to see this film. I wasn't that interested. You know, I just, for whatever reason, I wasn't that interested. And she's like, Colin Farrell saying in Bruges all the time will crack you up. And I was like, well, we'll see about that. So I watched it and I thought it was absolutely hilarious and then watched it again of my own volition just a few years after. So this is a third one. Okay. Uh, So I was a big Martin McDonough fan. I went to the theatre to see Pillow Man. Yeah. One of the best plays I've ever seen. Okay. It's back on later mm. this year. Well worth going. Lily, Allen in Lily it? Allen's in it. I yeah. don't know if that's a positive or a negative. I don't know. Don't know. But um, yeah, great play. And also a big fan of his film he made, uh, Six Shooter. Right. Uh, which won an Academy Award. Yes. Uh, for best short film, even though it's 27 minutes long. Right. It's a long shot with Brendan Gleeson. So yeah, I was quite excited about this one coming down the pipe and went to the cinema Absolutely loved it. One of my favourite films of that year. And then revisited about five years ago at about 10pm on Christmas Eve when Mm. my dad says, why don't you put something on? And everyone else had gone to bed and we'd had some wine. Because I said, oh, I know a Christmas film. Right. And we watched this. But yeah, the wine got in the way. I think dad fell asleep. And I was like, yeah, funny still. (laughs) So yeah. Uh, And then this this was the third watch for me. Okay. So uh, making of. Let's go some sort of back in time to Martin McDonough being a playwright. Um, Although... I've listened to a few interviews with him lately. Quite disparaging of playwriting. Is he? Never cared much for plays, he says frequently. Uh, movies were always my first love. This was a way in. He's written about 100 plays. <laughs> a celebrated place as well. Yeah. On around the world. <laughs> but it's interesting. Um, when I saw Banshees um, in uh, Fantastic Fest in Austin last year, mm. he was there and he did say afterwards that the reason he's doing movies rather than plays is hardly anyone sees plays yeah. and they get forgotten about really quickly, whereas movies are there forever. And I think this could sort of tie in with what we talk about on Thursday, about what that film's about, maybe. Mm. But it's interesting. He was just, he wanted something that was permanent rather than something that sort of came and went. And so that's why his first love was movies. He went to Bruges. Um, He thought it was beautiful. Then he got bored. (laughs) (laughs) Have you been to Bruges? Yeah. Only briefly. No, have you? Yeah. I spent ages in Bruges. When we were in the, the thing about Ghent right. is, I went to Bruges first. <laughs> yeah, right? We're talking about Bruges. No, wait, we were... how, how many mentions do you need to give it before you're off the clock? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Read the contract. <laughs> so when we were driving around Europe in the camper van, we went to Bruges first because it's just geographically that's the direction we were going. And Lucy came to see us, and our friend Tony. And we didn't have any money, so we couldn't go up the bell tower and that square where they, you know, we had drinks there. And it is gorgeous, but we were there for quite a long time, so we couldn't afford to move on. Or something and you do get really <laughs> bored really quickly <laughs> and you do get this and obviously I'd seen the film by then so that was like influencing me to becoming bored and then the reason I love Ghent is because you go to Ghent you like, can't get bored in Ghent <laughs> so that's why it's better but Bruges is gorgeous and I feel very uh, attached to it and I would like to go back cha-ching <laughs> <laughs> uh, is, that, is that actually the catchphrase uh, you can't get bored in Ghent <laughs> <laughs> really <laughs> so Chris that's the question what did you think of Bruges yeah. and your answer is Ghent is better <laughs> That's actually my answer, right. yeah. Although Bruges is lovely. Can we get back to Bruges? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but Donna said, well, I was first also there. Also, Antwerp's nice. Okay, go, 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 go. Uh, I had diverging feelings about the place. I started thinking of two characters who might respond to Bruges in distinct ways, and I started writing about them with specific parts of Bruges for them to interact in and around. And he said he, saw, he sees the two characters as two different star sides of his brain. Okay. Um, I, he said, I didn't write the parts for anyone specifically, and in fact, originally, Ray and Ken were written as Londoners. I only changed them to Irish after we'd cast Colin and Brendan. Um, everything seemed to fall into place after that. And actually, watching it, 
this time it's it's clear that they're Londoners really it's just yeah. the accent that's different mm. like it's 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 a London story they're London characters they've done a London thing they work for a London person they're just mm-hmm. London well one London hitman and one kind of London hitman mm. But he does call it, we'll talk about this more on Thursday because it's a lot more relevant to Banshee's Vinnie Sheeran, but he does call it an Irish film, although he's very careful about how he defines what an Irish film is and whether he's making an Irish, in inverted commas, film. He's called In Bruges an Irish film. Yeah, because they are Irish, yeah. Okay. Um, He said, Ray had to be dangerous and unpredictable, but also sensitive and dark and almost despairing at times. I'd seen Colin do dangerous and unpredictable before. And as soon as we met up and talked over the character, I knew he had all the other things in spades. Uh, But I heard an interview with Colin Farrell where um, he met with Madonna and Madonna offered him the role and he turned it down. Um, he said he was it was a bad time in his career and in his life. He was feeling low and he said, he said to McDonough, I understand the public perception of me. It's not good. People think I'm a dick. Mm. People hate me. And I'll do the script and the character and the film with a service by bringing all that baggage to this movie. Wow. Oh. Yep. And McDonough turned to him and said, uh, thanks, but you're not the casting director. So shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Telling it like it is. Uh, but yeah, Madonna says it takes what, a lot. Of- was it? What, what period yeah, was this? I remember being very surprised. I was—I've never not liked Colin Farrell, but I understand what he's saying. But that's what part of the uh, joy was, wasn't it? That he's a revelation and all the rest of it. So what? Yeah, but what had he done just before this? Was it? Was obviously he was, you know. The drinking and the, the drugging and everything, mm-hmm. and then there was the awful sex tape, which I think was the, like the, the 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 pivotal moment where it was like, oh my god, yeah. So I mean, he was saying in this interview that I heard that he said, if I saw me on the telly, I would think I was a fucking prick, just saying all these things, swearing all the time, showing up at uh, events <laughs> a bit drunk or with different women on my arm each time, and um, he'd he'd not long finished Miami Vice, mm. and the oh, day he yeah. finished Miami Vice, he went straight to rehab. Not for the first time, and so he was just a mess, really. And I think he, you know, and he felt, I think he felt like this self-destructive path he was on was a going to kill him, but also, you know, destroying people's films and projects and things around him. So, I mean, the films weren't—they're interesting films he was doing with great directors. But this was this just felt, as you say, Vicky, it feels like a, a revelation watching him in this. It's so weird, isn't it? I mean, it's at least it's so self-aware of him to know that. If you're an actor in the public eye yeah. and you have that, people have that perception of you outside the movies, there is really no way of separating that. If it's got to the point where it's so dominant mm-hmm. in people's understanding of you and opinion of you, yeah. it's, it's, you know. And I think he'd not been vulnerable very often on screen. Mm. And so that's what Madonna wanted him to do and thought he could do. And obviously, he's, across both these films, the vulnerability is what really. I don't know, just it's sort of transcendent performances at both times, I think. Yeah, and especially, I think, when we get to him on Thursday and the raft of movies that he's done in the run-up to Banshees of Inner Shearer, yeah. I don't think, I mean, have they have they coined it yet? Is it a, is it a foracence? <laughs> the foracence? <laughs> it should Work be. Work on that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a few days till oh, Thursday. I will. Yep. Um, so they had three weeks rehearsal time. Uh, this is the case on both films. Um, he says he doesn't think this is a luxury McDonough. He, he says, I have no idea how you would make a movie without it and he said at the start of that process he tells the cast and crew why he wrote it what it means who the characters are and then he just lets them say what they think 
and what their thoughts are and who these characters are. Um, he said it's to get all the crap about motivations out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> he said, I'm not interested in backstory. Make up, make up what you like. <laughs> Every, everything I hear from Martin McDonough, I grow to like him a little bit more. He's an intriguing character. Um, and the stories I've read around this say that, that Brendan and Colin aren't a million miles from these characters in real life and how they behaved on set. Uh, production designer Michael Carlin said uh, of the, the In Bruges suit, uh, Brendan liked to play his violin in a quiet bar with a few friends. If Colin never turned up, there'd be 1,000 women there in a few seconds, which used to annoy him a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> which could be a scene from Banshees of Inisherin. I wonder if that's why that line is in there, because it sort of sits slightly awkwardly. It's never followed up in Banshees, where someone says to... Colin Farrell's character, the women all love Colm, don't they? Mm. And it's where he's in the bar surrounded by women playing his fiddle. I wonder if that's a joke yeah, based on that oh, story. Yeah, that's maybe. funny, yeah. That's yeah. really funny. Um, but yeah, that's uh, a bit of background. Should we talk about the movie? Sure. So, Vicky, yeah. we'll start with you. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> uh, why? Because there's a voiceover. Yeah. So, hey, guess what? You hate writing plays, don't use a fucking voiceover. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's, look, obviously it's fine because it's the way that Colin Farrell delivers it because he keeps saying in Bruges all the time. It's, it's really funny. But, you, you know, I mean, I have to die on this hill, don't you? You don't need the voiceover. There's another way of doing it. So it, yeah. I don't think it does get a pass. I wondered if it was a, a sort of um, telling and not showing for budgetary reasons. Yeah. So we don't see these events happen in and around the Thames because they just didn't want to spend the money on shooting in and around the Thames mm. with the, you know, chucking the gun in the river. And and also it would take you out of Bruges. The fact that it's almost entirely set in Bruges, you don't yeah. really want to see it anywhere <clears throat> else. It makes mm. it more like the fairy tale. Yeah, yeah. So um, Harry's instructions after uh, this hit has gone wrong, uh, Harry's their boss is, get the fuck out of London, you dumb fucks, get to Bruges. <laughs> um, uh, do you want a bit of boring trivia? Sure. Not good trivia. Go for it. Uh, Ken and Ray check into the hotel on the names Cranham and Blakely, who were the actors who played the two hitmen in Harold Pinter's The Dumb Waiter on telly. Great. <laughs> <sighs> Have you seen The Dumb Waiter? No. I saw it about five years ago with Martin Freeman and Danny Dyer. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, Pinter loves Danny Dyer, doesn't he? He uses Danny Dyer a lot. I do love Danny Dyer. Yeah. So, okay. It's very good, very good play. But I mean, there are a lot of parallels with Martin this. Martin Freeman was pissed off to be paired with Danny no, Dyer. No, because okay. Dyer's like Pinter's guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there's a lot of Harry, there's a lot of Harry Pinter uh, in this story. Right. Okay. Of the two hitmen getting bored out of their minds. That's yeah, yeah, what the yeah. dumb waiter basically is. And there's Samuel Beckett. There's a bit yeah. of Tarantino, isn't there? There's sure. David Mamet. I remember at the time, everyone said, just based on the first few scenes, this is a Guy Ritchie movie, isn't it? This is a Guy Ritchie movie in another country, mm. but with the same characters. But then I guess it goes somewhere a bit deeper than Guy Ritchie's. I think it goes the to a more spiritual place. Harry character is a bit Guy Ritchie. But that's not a, that's not, not a compliment because Harry's mm. brilliant. Um, but I can see why mm. you'd think that. Yeah, and Guy Ritchie's great. Mm. Um, so they're stuck there for two weeks in a twin room. Uh, we've got Ray acting like a petulant child, calling Bruce a shithole. <laughs> uh, Ken's a bit more optimistic. He's happy to go around in a boat looking at stuff <laughs> um, with the worst tourists in the world. What kind of tourist are you two? Oh, good question. This is a great question. I was thinking about this because my mum is a doer, like on holiday. I can see that. She likes to do things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Opposite my mum. (laughs) See, I'm like your mum then. I I don't want to do anything. Should we swap mums for a holiday? (laughs) 
<laughs> but no, I write that down. I, <laughs> I have a guilt now if I go on holiday because I've I've had this thing where I'm supposed to do stuff and see things and see culture. I would much rather go to the local pub and that would be fun for yeah. me to have a beer in Bruges mm-hmm. is is enough. I don't need to see any culture. All right, I'm half and half. So if it's a beach holiday, I don't want to do any fucking sport. I don't want to see anything. I don't want to do anything. I just want to be on the beach and do fuck all. If it's a city trip though, I want to do everything. I want to be Brendan Gleeson in the morning. Afternoon drink. We do nothing else after yeah, that point. Sure. That's yeah. me. I went a series of holidays to it with my uni mates for, for the five years after we had and That's exactly what we did. Yeah. We, all day we worked really hard at the tourist thing and yeah. then had a really, really good night. <laughs> and then tried not to be too hungover because we won't do the tourist thing again. But you, you see, of the two things, which brought the enthusiasm out of him? Just, sure. Uh, we do stuff in the morning, then we'd have a really good night. Well, the daytime stuff was like a job. <laughs> but it made us come back not feeling guilty for having sure. wasted money and time. And this oh, yeah. is what I'm I'm saying it's a guilt thing. I think I do things because I do do things, but it's out of guilt. Yeah. Mm. I was in Warsaw for what, 24 hours the other day? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we remember. Yeah. <laughs> Good, because I don't. <laughs> and uh, and I, I went to the old town in the morning just so I could go. I've seen Warsaw's old town. And so you should. Yeah. So uh, Ray meets an overweight family. Um, he talks about, uh, and this I'm quoting him, a black retarded girl on a seesaw. What do we think about this humour? Because I didn't find it as funny this time. I think my brain's been reprogrammed in the yeah. last 15 odd years. Uh, is this funny and transgressive, which is what I thought it was when I first watched it? Or is this just being offensive and shock value for the sake of it? Oh, it's tricky. So when Ray says that about the girl on the seesaw, I was like, oof, no, 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 that's mm. no good at all. I don't really remember what I thought the other time, so maybe that's my brain. Being I thought it was it. pretty funny. Mm. But when Harry later says, we're not going to go and shoot 12 black kids or something, it's like, are you, Is that's not the same joke? Do you, you see that there's a difference there, isn't mm. there? And it made me not like Ray as much as I had liked him, I remember liking him in the past two viewings because it's like, you're an idiot. Like, you you, mm. you can't say things like that. You shouldn't say things like that. And yet I still found a distinction between what he said and then what Harry says later. And is that me or is that... Because is I think a... we're supposed to like Ray, but it's hard to like him when he finds things like that funny. Yeah. Um, what do you think, Al? I, I mean, isn't it because he's just a bit stupid? It's yes. something the character would say, mm. obviously. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, I always want to defend that point of view. Mm-hmm. Um... But yeah, it just felt it just felt a bit much. I, don't know. I, I think it's the frequency with which things are dropped in. It's like it's like racism, uh, fat jokes, yeah, homophobic like, jokes. Yeah, it's just there's so many of them. It feels like it's the script wanting it's mistaking button pushing for edginess. Yes, mm-hmm. and we're supposed to love Ray, even though he killed a child. Sure. We're definitely supposed to. I agree. If we're not supposed to love him, we're definitely supposed to feel sorry for him. And you can't. You know, people can be more than one thing. You can be racist and I can still feel sorry for you, I guess. But it's it's just super hard because you like you're straight in with with jokes like that, and it, it's a bit of a delicate balance. But isn't it? I mean, I was thinking about this as I was watching it. It's such a testament to Colin Farrell's yeah. performance that he kills a child. Yeah, he says these things and yet you are fundamentally wanting the best for him by the end yeah Yeah. uh most definitely so they're trying to figure out why they're in bruges they can't understand why they haven't been sent to croydon (laughs) you've you've made out better mate uh i wouldn't recommend a weekend he's allowed to say he's allowed to say he's he's, he's from croydon yeah yeah i wouldn't uh, they're filming. They're fil- no one heard that. <laughs> you, you, you you oh, I love Croydon. My parents live in Croydon. I love Croydon. Yeah. Crystal yeah. Pat yeah. Eagles. Um, well done for whispering it though, <laughs> directly into the microphone. Uh, they're filming midgets. 
Um, it's a dream sequence in a Dutch movie, uh, which is kind of like a Don't Look Now homage. But we meet our dwarf, uh, Jimmy, played by Jordan Prentice. Yeah. Um, where do we know him from? Oh, God, I looked him up. Oh, he's in something really we've done. What the fucking hell is it? He's in something we've done on stage. Oh, he's in Howard the Duck? Yeah, he's the <laughs> poor little boy that got, like, I think pretty badly knocked about playing Howard the Duck. In really? Some of the yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I was, it sort of lost the audience a bit when I was telling stories about this kid potentially getting burned while being stuffed into a duck suit. Weird, isn't it? Maybe, maybe we should talk about what we're going to say on stage before our next live show, because that, that blindsided me a little bit as well. I'm like, you know we're in a room with people. Uh, he also. I think we should rehearse. I think we should rehearse everything. Jordan Prentice also played uh, a character in a Harold and Kumar movie. Uh, his role was giant bag of weed. <laughs> uh, film within a film, Vicky. Yeah. You like it? No. No. <laughs> I just don't. I think it, it's good at the end when they're in the Bosch. They go to see the Bosch triptych and then you're in it at the end. You don't really notice mm. it the first time. And then you get to the end. You're like, oh, there are the characters from the painting. So this is purgatory. So I get all of that. But a film within a film just feels a bit too insular for yeah. my liking. It's, but I'm really hardline about that stuff, and I don't like it if someone in a film is a writer, and I don't like it if they are creative in any way whatsoever. Yeah. So, so that's just me. <laughs> I didn't know that. No, it's, <laughs> like, it's never come up. <laughs> we've never received that note, have we? No, nothing. Yeah. Nothing we've ever written. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. fine, but uh, a writer? A writer? <laughs> Taking the take piss. That <laughs> I do love the bit where she walks away and chucks the card over her shoulder. So this is Chloe, um, who uh, Ray chats up by saying, a lot of midgets tend to kill themselves. Suppose they must must get really sad about being really little. And that seems to charm her. Yeah. Charm the pants off her. So yeah, that's very cool, throwing the card. But it's what's what's cool. It's such a risky move. It doesn't doesn't work. (laughs) No. (laughs) I have done it. I hope not. I have. Have you really? See, I'm not the only one who thinks things like that are cool and does them and then says them out loud and you go, what are you? Yeah. You take such a gamble when you do stuff like that. <laughs> well, tell us the situation. Oh, I don't know. You threw your business card at a woman. <laughs> Ross, Chris. <laughs> at her. I, you didn't say at her. Did you throw it at no, her? No. I think I might have said, oh, I think you dropped something. Ooh. He was a real ladies' man. Oh, God. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> throw it at her next time. That's better. <laughs> and we're now engaged. <laughs> It wasn't. It wasn't. No. What's cool about this, though, is she chucks it over the shoulder and you think that is fucking cool. And then he says, yeah, he's really that's fucking cool. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's cute. It's, but it also it makes the script self-aware that it's doing something that you're like, oh, that's a bit like yeah. sort of self-consciously cool. And yeah. then to reference it, it gets a pass. Yes. Um, so this is a good moment, a positive moment for Ray. But next time we see him, he... Catches sight of an ugly dog and nearly starts crying. And then he sees some kids and we get a flashback. And we're going to talk about that flashback after this break. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. 
Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So the flashback is to the hit, uh, and it happens uh, while doing confession. Um, our man Ray murders Kieran Hines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In, in a very brief cameo, this is what he's doing for Harry. But, and I think it's very well shot, this, mm. as the stray bullet hits a kid. Oh, It's the way it's hit the kid, like because you could have shot that anyways. It could be a kid with a bullet hole in the side of his head or his chest or whatever. Mm. But the fact that it's just gone straight across his forehead and the way it's shot... A lot like Jenny on Thursday. Mm. It's a moment that is going to stay with me forever. Mm. It's it's the list. That's the bit that I can't... I'm really stuck on it. It's so sweet. When Did you see what the child's mm. confession was? I can't remember it now. It's being bad at maths, being someone else, and being sad. Mm. Oh, it, Jesus it, Christ. It, being moody, being bad at maths, and being sad. Oh, no. So maybe it's a good thing he's dead, if he was so, <laughs> oh so moody and sad. Oh, my God. You're on a roll today. I'm actually going to start crying. Wishing, wishing moody kids dead, chucking your business card at oh, women. So, uh, no, you dropped you drop something. <laughs> Excuse me, love. Excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, no, no, I haven't. Would you please, please, please fucking fuck off? Um, and then we're in an art gallery and we're looking at uh, the pain on the walls. This is The Last Judgment by Hieronymus Bosch. And it's obviously all tied together. The, the themes of purgatory, of being judged. Uh, is this their last judgment that they're encountering? Um, it causes uh, Ray to ask um, Ken about purgatory. And then his, his description is, oh, you weren't shit, but you weren't all that great either. Like Tottenham. <laughs> it's a very good line. I feel like you should have said Spurs, because at first, does he mean the city? Does he mean the bit of town? But is it, is, it's a football joke. I thought he yes. meant the bit of town. If no, it's, completely it's, it's exactly what Spurs are. So right. he should have said Spurs. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, Spurs, Spurs aren't shit, but they aren't all that great either. <laughs> They're just eternally fifth. <laughs> which is which is one outside the Champions League places. It's also where we always come in the Pod Bible Awards every year. Oh, there we are. <laughs> oh, it's even you call some you can call people and things a bit Spursy. What do you think of Tottenham? What do you think of shit? Thank you. That's all right. We ain't Tottenham. We ain't Tottenham. So maybe we're a bit Spursy. Great. <laughs> Oh dear. Um, so, um, so this art. Ray isn't interested in the art. So my question here is: Is he stupid, or is it him not wanting to reckon with what he's done? Is this him putting off facing up to no, I reality? Think it's, he just can't be saved because what Kenny said is: if you just do the things I want to do, and we'll go and see the Jesus statue, and we'll go and look at the art, then then we, you know, you'll be okay. And you're showing that Ray doesn't understand, right? So A, he doesn't understand the danger he's in. He's like having a tantrum and walking out of these places when he really shouldn't be doing that. But he's not, he's, it's giving Ken a reason to think, even if I saved you this time, I couldn't save you next time because you're a baby and you're not listening to me yeah. and you don't seem to recognise the situation and the gravity of the situation. Mm. So that's why he's just having a, like he says, you're having a moody. Like mm. he doesn't get it and he'll never get it because he's too immature. Or is he in denial? I mean, that's the other way of looking at it because if, 
if he's immature and he doesn't realise the gravity of the situation, then that makes him less likeable because he's basically dismissing the fact that he killed a kid. No, he knows he killed a child. He just doesn't realise there are going to be such serious repercussions. Right. He thinks it's all on him. He's like, I feel sad about this. And then he tries to take his life because he feels sad. But he doesn't think that Harry's going to get him for it. And he definitely is. But does you, you think Ken knows that at this Ken, point? Ken doesn't know that yet. No. But uh, you just the film is going, this is why Ken will accept that something bad is going to happen to Ray mm, because he can't be, he cannot save himself. And we did get that bit of foreshadowing on the tower, didn't we, where Ken is pretending to shoot down and it's oh, yeah. Ray standing in the courtyard below him. Mm-hmm. Although that isn't how he is going to assassinate him. But that's why him. it's so good. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. he goes back up and you think, yeah, that's so good. So yeah, this kid is dead because of the choices he made, and and he's he's appreciating that, as Vicky says. If if not the danger he's in, the quote he says is, "I will always have killed a little boy that ain't ever going away unless I go away." Um, seen in a restaurant, oh, raised raised date. Uh, <laughs> I, I I, I've written down escalation. I love that he tries so hard because we've all been in that position where someone, well, I have frequently, where someone's tutted or said something and you think, no, 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 I'm just obviously going to leave that because I'm like with my family or whatever and it's like gross. But then you just cut, you're like, sorry, what? And then before you know what you've done, you've done it. And then obviously my situations don't go like that, but I do frequently shout at people in public space. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They started. Sometimes us. Sometimes us. <laughs> it is. It's good. I, I, I couldn't decide. It feels... It's so well played by the the American guy yeah. who like that's how it ca- works. Ca- Canadian. Canadian, Canadian. Sorry. Oh yeah, of course. The point because he punched he punches him for John Lennon. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just I don't know. It felt a little. I don't know. It felt really scripty. This yes. bit. Yeah. Didn't yes. feel very natural. Felt like a sketch almost. I wrote down sketch as mm. well. Yes. I know. I see where you're coming from. I see where you're coming from. I mean, I think I, I think a lot of both these films films scripted but it's fine you know it's it's part of the joy of them i think yeah is is is, is the use of language and i do i I do love it because i you know it it is fundamentally funny when the woman goes for him with a bottle and he punches her out that's funny yeah i'm fine i'm fine with that i am because you set it up earlier you can't come at someone with a bottle yeah yeah yeah. otherwise it would be awful 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 business but but it's all in there so so if if a woman comes at me with a bottle, I'm not allowed to do that. If we've had a conversation 20 minutes earlier where <laughs> okay. I've said to you, that's, that's unacceptable. To that's good to know. Uh, so now we get the moment where Harry calls Ken. Oh, um, this this feels great. like the work of a, of a first-time director with the, the touch of evil playing in the background <laughs> with the most famous single take probably in film history as he does a single take in sure. his movie. But... Um, <laughs> But yeah, and we learn, we don't see Harry at this point. We just hear his voice. And um, yeah, he says, I wanted him to see Bruges before the end. And it slowly dawns on Ken what he's got to do. Yeah, it's not that. It is that, sorry. It's when Brendan, when Ken is like, doesn't want to upset his boss. And he's like, the dual, the dual carriageway nearly wrecked it. <laughs> and then when he tries to bring it back, like what? Like a masterful performance where he's like, do you know what he said to me? I, he closed mm. his eyes and he said to me, I feel like I'm in a dream. Mm. <laughs> and he's taken the lie and run with it so much just to get Harry like just to bring him down a little bit so to make him calm down it's just so perfect like he's yeah. taking the piss out of him so you know that he thinks Harry is a bit of a 
a wild card mm. and he's got his own way of doing stuff. But it totally works as well. Like it's, I just think he plays it brilliantly. Yeah, it's it's one of the best scenes in the film. I yeah. think, and it's the minutiae of it as well. The bit where Harry makes him go and check outside the door, even though yeah. he's made up that Ray was yeah. there in the first place. It's yeah. great. Uh, we cut to Ray getting caught by Chloe's boyfriend in bed. I think they were going to rob him. Mm. Uh, a gun with blanks, but that's uh, interesting though. I, I I've said this before. I love any thing that I didn't know before in films and I don't know whether this is true or not but I've never seen in a film before this where someone fires a blank bullet in someone's face and it blinds them no that's I, interesting yeah, I thought you meant like the, the grift of like robbing tourists like, no, no, no no that happens no, no, no. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it's partly there as well so that Ray can take Chekhov's gun yes <laughs> uh, now we've got a massively coked up Ray because he's also picked up some drugs <laughs> um, he, he approaches uh, his new friend Jamie pokes him in the head um, he's still upset that Jamie didn't wave at him earlier Ray's just it's Colin Farrell's making very good use of his eyebrows here to express confusion at <laughs> uh, what's happening around him. Uh, tells them they're weird. Um, he sent Ken off with the drugs. Ken returns with massive eyes. <laughs> looms, looms onto screen over his shoulder. Give me a gram. I thought you were, I thought you were staying off it because it makes you depressed. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got a drugged up party in a hotel room. Um, more suicide chat going on. It's, a gr- it's very authentically done this. It yes. feels very good. Yeah. It's not too over the top. It feels like the kind of conversation that takes place in that hotel 100%. room. Jimmy, Jimmy's yeah. becoming obsessed with a race war. <laughs> um, we learn that um, Harry killed the man who killed Ken's wife. Yes. Um, yeah, Harry killed the white man who killed Ken's black wife, yeah. is, is the detail they add in there, actually. Um, and yeah, it's just funny and shocking and brief. Uh, they get in and out quickly, this scene. Ken leaves because there are too many hookers and a racist dwarf. He calls them manky hookers. Mm. So it's the meanest thing he said because he's describing... Oh. So he says two manky hookers. I didn't read the K. That's too right. many hookers. No, I've got it there. There's never too many hookers. <laughs> two manky hookers and a racist dwarf is, very, is the nastiest thing he does and says, I think. Um, he doesn't need to use that language, but he does. So, I mean, it's fine. He's a man in that situation and he is a hitman for a living, so he's not an angel or whatever, but it is, like, pretty mean. Yeah, agreed. Uh, we're into the park now. Uh, Ray's crying. Ken's watching him. And he pulls out his gun and approaches Ray to shoot him. Then he sees Ray put the gun to his own head and he stops him. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. It's great. Because, uh, obviously, I, I can remember it from the first time I watched it. And the whole bit where Harry goes, you're going to have to kill Ray to Ken. I thought that was going to be a long, drag-out thing that was going to last for the rest yep. of the movie. Yep. And I was a little bit like, ugh, this is going to be a bit boring, is he, isn't he? When's he going to do it? Is he going to convince himself that he has to do it? Da, da, da. And the fact that it's over and done with in 15 minutes yes, is it's amazing. It's yeah. like, yeah. oh, wow, we're moving on to new yeah. terms. Ray yeah. knows the truth. Uh, he breaks down and cries and he's packing him off on a train straight away. So I agree with you. It's boring because you feel like you have seen that plot line before. Um, Brendan Gleeson said of this moment in the film, he said that his character standing up for Ray in the city at this time liberates Ken to be able to envision hope and faith again for his own existence. One that has been so full of violence, which he's very good at for so many years. He does what he does for Ray because he's been given the gift from this young lad of hope. Mm. Which is an interesting way of looking at it from from his acting point of view. I like the bit where Ken says, he, Harry said he wanted to give you a, one last joyful memory before you <laughs> died. And of all the times Colin Farrell says, <laughs> in Bruges, this is the pinnacle. Where yeah. he goes, in Bruges! <laughs> Brilliant. 
It is just funny. I don't know why. I couldn't decide whether the title should have had a question mark on it. That was the thing. After this scene, I was like, should it be Imbru's question mark? Uh, we also learn uh, it's Ray, it was Ray's first job where yeah. he, he killed the priest and, and shot the kid as Which well. Which is really interesting because it's Ken that brought him in. So did he do it because he knew he was rubbish because he's kind of given up as in he wants out? Do you know mm. what I mean? Like that's not that's Ken. It's not just that the book stops with him because it does. It's like this is kind of your fault. Like yeah. why would you why would you get him to do that before he's ready to do it? Yeah, he's brought in a guy who doesn't seem particularly well equipped to do that job. Yeah, although I mean it was an accident anyway. Um, Ken uh, phones Harry and let's rip and we see Harry for the first time. Amazing, <laughs> and it's Ray Fiennes and he destroys the phone. <laughs> <laughs> For, for, the, for this casting, Madonna said, I wanted someone who hadn't done the archetypal working class London gangster type a hundred times before. I wanted a very good actor who would have a different and more surprising take on it. It wasn't until I got on the set I realised how bloody scary Rafe can be. Mm. Um, have you not seen Jinder's list? Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a look... Like I suddenly, you know, I like the little things. Later on, when he goes to the Alcoves man to get his gun, yeah, and that punk kid, whatever, Chloe's <laughs> boyfriend, forgotten his name, stands up to like square up to him, and Harry doesn't move at all and looks amused but looks very scary and a little bit concerned because someone stood up to, but obviously not bothered in the least. Like he barely even like blinks, and it's just the scariest thing you've ever seen. Like mm. a man who understands the potential and the power he's got, but also isn't an idiot and would would obviously have that fight himself. Amazing. This is post-Sexy Beast, isn't it, this movie? Because yes. the, yeah. the, the the only person who I've seen do a similar kind of thing yeah. is Ben Kingsley in Sexy Beast. Well, it, yes. In terms of a similar transformation, yeah. because we've seen a lot of actual Cockney hard men do this kind of performance, but with it was sort of counter-casting counter, counter by yeah. having Ben Gandhi, essentially, yeah. and Ray Fiennes do it. So did you, do you like Ray Fiennes in this role? Yeah. Oh, my God, I love Ray Fiennes in this role. I think he's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. He just, like, literally, it's about that point in the movie where you feel like you've seen a lot of what uh, Farrell and Gleeson are going to be bringing to the table, and it just lights a fire under the whole yeah. thing. And yeah. it's good to, rev- to save the visual to this point, because sure. you do need a bit of an engine for this next bit, because we've kind of tied everything up um, and then you, and then it is a bit cheeky you'd be like oh look it's Ray Fides and that'll yeah. do for now but it, no I mean it works doesn't it you, yeah. the casting of a star does give it a little bit of a wow factor yeah um, uh, and we, we sort of get a sense of, of Harry's very strict code of ethics yep. which is obviously going to become increasingly important we got the great scene with Ken and Harry sitting in a cafe <laughs> um, I always talk about it but the diehard <laughs> moment he had to have his hero and his villain meet and talk to each other yeah uh, before they get to the killing. And so it's so hard to write, but they nailed it here in this public place and, and they have a moment before it, it turns really dark. You're suicidal. I'm suicidal. <laughs> Everybody's fucking suicidal. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> uh, and at the same time, um, the, the police have arrested Ray and he's, he's been brought back to Bruges. So, um, yeah, uh, Harry thinks Ray is somewhere in Europe. Because Ken doesn't realise Ray's back, and so it's it's all very cleverly. It's complicated, but it all works. It's all action and consequence. Exactly. Everything that happens happens because they put it in motion. There's nothing coincidental. And speaking and speaking of set up and pay off, we get to the tower, and the officious guy that works there, who was rude to Ken, gets beaten the shit out of <laughs> by Harry. Yeah. Uh, it's quite funny, but dark. Uh, Jimmy at this point is dressed as a schoolboy. Mm. It's all that I feel like a bit of a Harry Potter nod, that kind of thing. But also, this is obviously going to come into play. Now, have you? 
ever seen the film Living in Oblivion? No. M- amazing Steve Buscemi film. No. Uh, Peter Dinklage is in, is in that, mm-hmm. playing a dwarf who gets cast in a, move for a, dream, a movie for a dream sequence. Right. And I went back and rewatched that scene, and this is what Peter Dinklage's character says in that. Have you ever had a dream with a dwarf in it? I don't even have dreams with dwarves in it. <laughs> Only place I've seen dwarves in dreams in stupid fucking movies. <laughs> Which essentially is the same... A thing that Jamie's doing here. He's almost saying the same thing um, later in this movie. But anyway, uh, he's in play. Um, they're up the top of the tower. Ken lays down his gun. Uh, he tells Harry he loves him. And um, uh, Harry says the boy had to be let go. Oh, sorry. Ken says the boy had to be let go. The boy had to be given a chance. And Harry shoots him in the leg. <laughs> now, I think sorry. Harry is is going to leave him yep, here, I isn't he? Yep. Um, he says differently in a minute, but Ken's going to survive this if that other bloke doesn't show up and tells him the truth about Ray. Yeah, yeah. Um, at which point, um, Harry kills Ken and says, you can't kill a kid and expect to get away with it. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, he's contradicting himself a bit there, but obviously that line is very important as well. Um, we've got some great music coming in now. It's called On Raglan Road by the Dubliners, this really haunting, beautiful piece of Irish music. And I think the, the film kicks up another gear here. You've got Ken crawling to the top of the bell tower mm-hmm. um, with his gun. Uh, down the bottom, Ray is, is kissing Chloe. It's this false dawn, this hope for him like he's he's returned and he's found love and there's a chance for him a possibility a future but we know what's approaching him at this time and then ken drops the change oh i love that wow that's brilliant writing isn't it yeah you would think you would think you've had the great idea by having him throw himself off the top of the tower yeah but to drop the sprinkle the change first time yeah there's three things there's the dropping of the change the fact that he does up his jacket before he jumps well he straightens his tie Mm. he straightens the tie as well yeah um and yeah people are looking up and yeah he jumps he jumps and it's pr- it's a big splat isn't it really it? is um that dummy fun uh trivia fact people uh was is this good trivia or boring trivia no uh it was full of all sorts of stuff from the butcher's shop okay but it's a bloody mess and he says harry's here my gun i'm gonna die now i, can't believe I he think can still talk so what comes in the bits? Okay. I'm I'm sort of not convinced that this moment needs it's to happen. It's a very high drop. I don't think it is my actual change, so we can do it now. But I'm just like, it's enough. Yeah, that it's enough that he splats. Ray looks over, sees Harry. Yeah. So Ken did the job. I, I know there's the gun information that needs to be exchanged in some way, but it's just that bit where you're like, there is no way you're having, not forget like the fact you could still be alive, but you're not having a coherent conversation. I could. I could. <laughs> <laughs> of I course. Reckon, I reckon. Not a lot. I wouldn't be monologuing. But enough. Maybe, <laughs> maybe a little a, a gag. <laughs> A pun, if I can think of yeah, one. Of course. <laughs> uh, and then we've got a chase, and I'm a bit unhappy watching it this time. There's this, the choice of heavy rock guitar music here mm-hmm. takes me out of the film a bit, and it doesn't feel quite in keeping with this sort of classical um, the, the visuals we've got here because the snow starts falling. And it's a good sequence. I think the, the woman who owns the hotel, I think, is a really good character. I think she does she doesn't have much to do, but she really makes her mark each time, just calling these blokes out on their bullshit, basically. I find it. Weirdly annoying. Okay. I always have all three times like that. She's like, "You stupid men, sorted out." And she's pregnant, and she does look. She has, you know, the character is smart enough to look to look a bit like, "Oh shit, I <laughs> shouldn't have done this." When they've got a lot of guns and whatever, but I don't know. I just find it. It's a weird time to make a stand for two people you don't know. Mm. I think. Um, Harry says this is the shootout. 
I don't know, it's being a bit too clever for its own good, maybe, here. I yeah. don't know. Uh, they have a funny back and forth. Ray jumps on the back of a boat and uh, Harry shoots him from distance and he gets him. Uh, this is a quote from Madonna. As the film progresses, Bruges becomes darker and its gothic qualities come to the fore. The night scenes showcase that even earlier, such as when Ray happens upon the Ronis Bosch-inspired movie set. And so now we're in the, the Bosch-inspired movie set. And it's I mentioned it earlier, but it becomes very don't look now yeah. here. Um, Harry shoots Ray multiple times in the back and a bullet hits Jimmy. Mm. So we've got a transference of guilt going on here and this theme of, of consequences, uh, catching up with people. Um, Harry says, oh, I see. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then he adds, you've got to stick to your principles. <laughs> so funny and so dark. <laughs> he shoots himself in the mouth, but Ray, even though he's got a ton of bullets in his back, uh, tries to stop him. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an interesting moment. What's he doing there? Why would he want to save? I mean, he knows the truth. Mm. Is this... Is this the good we're seeing in, in him, is this some form of penance? Because this bloke's trying to kill him mm. and yet he wants to save his life. I think it's because Ray's just a bit stupid and he's just <laughs> like, oh, I can see what you think, but it's not that. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get a uh, voiceover, Vicky. Yeah. Uh, a bit more of Ray's guilt. He says, at least in prison or in death, I wouldn't be in fucking Bruges. <laughs> Maybe that's what hell is. The entire rest of your fucking eternity in Bruges. <laughs> I just remember I got told off by a police officer in Bruges. That's what I've remembered. Mm-hmm. For- was it because you kept going about Ghent? <laughs> <laughs> She's really sticking the fucking knife into Bruges this episode. No, How really- much are Ghent paying you? <laughs> I would cross the road when there wasn't a green person mm-hmm. and I got done for jaywalking. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I didn't have yeah. a clue what he was talking about. He was like, hey, hey. I was like, what? What's the matter? You can't cross. I was like, what? why? There's no traffic. I was like, you're the traffic. You know what I'm like? Why you're you- the traffic. <laughs> why, why were you crossing? Because there was no traffic and there was the person was red, but there's no traffic. I can make that decision myself, can't mm, I? Not in some countries. No, I not in Belgium. Yeah. Mm. I didn't know that. Yeah. Be I said, I'm really sorry, please don't find be, me, officer. Be, be careful in America as well. I know, so I ran for my life. You ran away <laughs> no, I, from I a police I, officer? I just thought if I keep talking, I'm going to get arrested because I'm going to say something bad. So. <laughs> it is self-aware. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Ray's final words are, I really, really hoped I wouldn't die. I really, really hoped I wouldn't die. And then we see through his eyes, I think, the ceiling of the ambulance and then it cuts to black. So is that... The film ending, or is that him dying? I just don't know. And also, I think it's a bit of a problem that I also don't care, which is a ch- a challenging. I wasn't like, oh, Ray's dead, that's sad. And I wasn't like, oh, he might live, that's brilliant. It's a, I don't know why, I'm, and it's not to slight the film. Just when I wasn't sure if he died or not, I was like, meh. I, either way, it doesn't matter. Is it a coward's ending as well to make it ambiguous? Mm, interesting. Mm, Alex? Well, I'm, it's, my, it's my fucking change, mate. It's, I mean, I can do it now. I've not, I've not got to that bit yet. Right, okay. So, all right. Well, oh, well, should we go to I the... don't know. Let me think. Let me mull for about seven minutes. Uh, make it two. Because uh, we're going to do the bits. Great. Yay. So, I've uh, got a great change, by the way. Uh, what's your favourite scene, uh, Vicky? Uh, top of the tower, when he, he buttoned his jacket, yeah. and you realise he isn't going to... Even though it's weird that you think he is going to shoot him from there, but it's in your brain because they set it up earlier, and he doesn't, and then you realise he's going to splat himself. It's really good. Alex? It's Brendan Gleeson jumping off the tower and dropping the coins beforehand. Yeah. As you said, 
It's good writing. <laughs> it's good writing. It's good writing. This, guy, this guy's going to go far. good writing, mate. <laughs> All right. As you pick that, which is the best moment, I'm going to pick uh, the moment when coked up Brendan Gleeson looms behind Colin Farrell with big saucer eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. Uh, Alex, most valuable whatever. Um, it's almost Colin Farrell because, as I said earlier, uh, to be a character that has murdered a priest and a little kid and said some questionable things for a large portion of this film and stolen drugs, that's not that bad. No. I, um, I think it's, it's just amazing that you do care about what happens to him. I know you said at the end that it's a bit of a question mark, like why you don't care more what happens to him. We'll get to that in a moment. But... Ray Fiennes as Harry. I just think he's electrifying. And I know that's a bit of a hoary word, but it's the word that I can only use to describe him. He is electrifying in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. Vicky. Uh, Brendan Gleeson. Mm. It's just very, I don't know, every time you watch it, you, you really want it to be Colin Farrell because he's, he's just so lovely and sweet and a little boy and all the rest of it. But Brendan Gleeson is brilliant. And a lot of it is because that's how I am when I'm a tourist. I want to do all the things and I want to just see all the stuff and all the rest of it. But, he, you know, he, he's doing a lot of the big emotional arc work as mm. well, which is like he's got to kill his son effectively. And you can see that play out with him. And then he gets that big moment at the end. So him. Are you picking Colin Farrell because then everyone gets a nice vote? No. Okay. I'm going to pick uh, Martin McDonough. Sure. Because I guess I just love that this is your first film out of the gate. We've talked about a few criticisms we got of it, but I still love it. It was just such a thrilling watch at the time to hear this new voice in cinema. And the way he uses language, I just love. And we'll talk about that more on Thursday. But yeah, I've got to give it to him, this one. Fair enough. enough. And um, what would you change? I don't think we're going to do your change this week, (laughs) Alex, today. But Vicky, let's do do yours, Vicky. You won't like this, right? I don't like the fact that Jimmy dies because he hasn't really... He's been a, he's been racist on coke, okay, but all right. Um, yeah, he's quite a likable yeah, chap, isn't so, he? He apologises for that and says it's not him. He, and, but then this is a shit end as well. Like, shouldn't Ray's actions accidentally save an actual little boy who was near Jimmy? And then you wrap all that stuff up, mm. like all the things that Ken is saying about live and save the next one. Can't he have that as he's ending? And then he doesn't really give a shit if he lives or dies because he did that. He put it right, kind of thing. Mm. But I don't really know how that would work. Yeah, and it's just that this is this is Martin McDonough's sense of humour. That's the trouble. Yeah, to 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 kill the racist dwarf. Yeah, and then for the for the villain to think that it was a child, and and because of his own code of ethics to kill himself. I just feel like this is this is the man that. Yeah, this is what he wants. Ultimately, what what I, I don't want this, and it is I'm asking a lot because obviously he's very very gifted. But it's like, what have we seen a story about? Like the the person that you feel bad for out of all of it really is Ken. But he was at the end of the road. He was probably a bit knackered and ready to like you know. And that life really only ever ends one way anyway. Ken's killed a lot of people. Ken's killed exactly. <laughs> so it's like, what did he think he was going to retire in the sun? Probably not. And then Harry's dead, and so, you know, you think, oh, maybe lots of people will be saved because he's not roaming the streets of London being a naughty boy or whatever. But you've just seen these three people kill each other effectively because of stuff that they've done. and then, But then Jimmy is the collateral damage in all of that, and he doesn't really deserve that. I guess it depends on where you sit on the fence about Jimmy. If you feel yeah. that Jimmy, like, being, you know, um, a racist dwarf on, or, coke. on coke... Yeah, maybe we should start calling him a racist man, yeah. I think. If you don't like Jimmy and you're like, well... He deserves to die. He deserves to die. Only in film logic, but I still even think with the film logic it's a bit of a stretch because he says sorry for it, 
and he gets a big moment at the end where he's like, you know, he gets to explain his context and his situation, which is like, I don't like doing this stuff, but what are you going to do, kind of thing. I'm, I'm kind of with you. I, I want. I mean, this is even, this is a real cop out, but if there's a way where it looks like Jimmy is a little boy who's dead, but yeah. he's not actually dead, he's yeah. just. And, and but to Harry, it's it's he's it's still, enough. It's yeah. enough. Yeah. 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 He could be. He could be standing by. Um, the stretcher as as uh, raised being yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's better that's a good change um, I'll that's do my change now because uh, it's get a change <laughs> um, it's not very good but it's one I felt passionate about since I saw this film in whenever 2008 uh, Martin Madonna said he was worried Ray Fine's accent would be Dick Van Dyke and was relieved when it wasn't unfortunately Martin Madonna's wrong it's quite Dick Van Dyke I really hate his Cockney accent it completely takes me out of the movie um, I, I wish I could be more thoughtful with this I think, it's this. I think uh, it's... You, you've got a cast of Cockney people cannot do a Cockney accent what Ray Fine it's terrible. Is it? I think it's terrible. Really? That's not, I've lived here for 23 years. Yeah, this is your clash question for Wednesday, yeah. Chris. Is Ray Fiennes' accent in this a good or bad Cockney accent? It's terrible. Is it really? Well, I, I, can't, what, I, I cannot I, bear it. I'll be educated. I, mean, I cannot bear it. Don't ask posh people to do Cockney <laughs> accents. <laughs> They're not capable of it. I think it's great. <laughs> All right, fine. Fair uh, so, yeah, uh, you do your proper change now, Alex. <sighs> Ray Fiennes cannot do a Cockney accent. <laughs> uh, you need to just hire posh people. They can't do it. No, it's kind of what Vicky said. I, I, I think you both said it. The ending, it, it, the ambiguity of the ending doesn't work. Uh, it feels like a cop-out ending. It feels like you need to go one way or the other. Ray needs to either die or Ray needs to survive and you need to see the aftermath. It's, 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 it's lazy ambiguity. It's not that ambiguity oh. that makes you go, oh, wow, I wonder. Let me think about that. You're just like, all right, done. Yeah. And you, you forget about the movie, which is what an ambiguous ending should not do. Okay, so your change was what I just said. Yeah. I was going yeah. through the yeah, film. Yeah, I was agreeing with you. Cool. I thought you'd like that. Worth the wait. Wow, happy fucking birthday. <laughs> That's in Bruce, done. Yeah. <laughs> okay, everyone all right. <laughs> uh, so, um, before we do the Clash Q, um, uh, did, did you send it? What are you talking about? We talked about it last week. So neither of us have oh, done... Oh, was it a surprise? Okay, No, it was just discussed last week on the way to the station. Don't need to send it twice. <laughs> right, okay. What film do you think is going to win the oh, best yeah. picture... Oh, sorry. yeah! At this year's Oscars! <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Um, so Vicky and I haven't seen a lot of Any these films. Of but <laughs> Alex has seen all of them, so yeah. I thought we could have a quick chat about it. So I'm going to go through the list. This, uh, this came from Gemma Page, by the way, okay. this question. Well, then that gives it validity that I need. Carry on. Uh, and so this is them in order of their Rotten Tomato score, highest to lowest. So the highest, the highest rated... Uh, Best Picture nominee on Rotten Tomatoes is Top Gun Maverick uh, with 96%. Uh, Then Banshees of Inner Sharon, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Women Talking, All Quiet on the Western Front, Tar, Elvis, Avatar, Triangle of Sadness. Um, I have seen two of them, but they're I've both... I've seen all of them! <laughs> but the two I've seen are very much in the running, and so um, I've got a voice here. Vicky, what have you seen of these? The Banshees of Inisherin. Okay, the Banshees of Inisherin. So that's going to sweep the board. <laughs> so have you got a prediction, though, of what you think will win? The Banshees of Inisherin. Okay, right. yeah. I think it would good. be... I'm not, I'm not that professional, Is this but... just because you've, it's the only one you've seen? Or Is do you it not get... weird to make a stab at things I haven't seen? I think Tar will win, to be honest, because it's it's an Oscar-baity fucking film. It absolutely won't, but it is fucking brilliant. <laughs> so it's Alex, absolutely brilliant. you've seen all of these. Yes. Which one is your favourite? 
Which which do I want? To pers- no, I'm asking which one is your personal favourite. Oh, man, I have to look at it really clinically. I actually think it would be very exciting if the world woke up on March the 13th and the headline was Top Gun Maverick wins Best Picture. It's not going to happen. I know it's not going to happen, but there is a little part of me that thinks perhaps the Oscars should make that <clears> happen <throat> so that people go, shit, the Oscars is rewarding a movie I've actually seen as opposed to one that I've never fucking heard of. Well, then shouldn't <laughs> it go to Avatar because more people have seen it? Uh, potentially, but it still has to go to something good. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I've seen everything everywhere all at once. I'll tell a lie. And I enjoyed that, Gemma, if you're listening. I thought that was a good film. Yeah. So that might win because I've seen it. Have you seen Tar yet? No, I haven't. So, do you know what? I've really. I, it's I know so I'm being a baby, good. but it just looks so boring. Right. The first hour, I was like, Vicky's absolutely right. This is this is boring. <laughs> and then the second hour, you're like, oh my God, this might be the best film I've seen this year. All right. I want. Oh, I don't know. Your recommendation goes a long way, but it's such a hurdle. It looks so dull. Alex, which one of these is your favourite? Like your personal favourite film of the. Ten. Oh my god, that's a great question. Uh, which is I've my asked favorite. it about six times. <laughs> that's a great question, Chris. I wish I'd heard it earlier. Um, <laughs> but you said you said you. Th- I thought you said tar when I spoke to you I, last and time. I'm st- about and it. I think I, yeah. I, honestly, and I'm so surprised that that I think mm. that I'm surprised that that is my answer. But of the films on that list, the one that I've I watched and I watched them all in about the space of a week, apart from Top Gun Maverick, which obviously I saw last year, I, I and everything everywhere all at once. I think tar is. It's, I just was so fascinated yeah. by and it's her performance and I think she is going to win Best Actress I think that's pretty much nailed on I think <laughs> Michelle Yeoh would be a wonderful winner but I think Kate Blanchett is going to win Best Actress but Tar is probably my favourite of those films Kate, it's not going to win Best Picture Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yeoh split the vote Andrea Riseborough sneaks <laughs> in there <laughs> 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 press that button <laughs> um, so so the key question is now what do you want to win and what do you think will win okay well I've already said I think it would be I'm sort of being a bit arch, but Top Gun Maverick would be an amazing yeah. winner. Yeah, I, I really think it would be a great thing if that won. Um, I think what will win, yeah. and I'd put, I'd put some money on this, I think Steven Spielberg is going to get Best Director over the mm-hmm. Daniels. Come with me on this journey. Mm. But I do think everything, everywhere, all at once is going to win Best yeah. Picture. Really? I'd put, all my, I'd put all my money on that. Shall we put some money on it? The odds aren't great. Okay. The odds aren't great. So I think that will win. Uh, but the one I would want to win is Banshees. Okay. Um, I've said that since I saw it. I love that film. Okay, well, that's going to make uh, the Jeopardy element yeah, of Thursday Jesus. a bit dull. Good job, it's your birth. Not about, like you. about the same level as I love in Bruges. <laughs> there he is. There he is. <laughs> great. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Cash queue done for another week. Thanks, yeah. Chris. Good stuff. Good stuff. Glad we all remembered that. We- <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, then. That is it. Uh, Farch was for one week only. So next week, regular service resumes. We're back to picking the clashes ourselves, which means, I believe, Chris has the clue. Mm. You haven't done a clue, have you? No. So <laughs> let me think. Um, what has happened? Oh, let me look at my watch. Oh, it's go. Oh, I can't, I can't. It's all going all over the place. Oh, <laughs> is that does that is that any good? Oh Flipping out. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> oh my in, god. In four years of doing the show, that might be the worst moment that has ever been broadcast. I feel nauseous. That was. Uh, it's improvisation. I hope I'm in a safe space. You are. I'm so sorry. We shouldn't have called you out like that. That's rude. That's rude. I can't, I can't tell the time. Oh, flipping heck! Oh, Can we watch? It's all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, 
This is awful. This is. I'm, look, I've got goosebumps. It's so awful. Oh my god. I want to be away from you in case I catch. Okay. That, end that. show. End. End show. <laughs> All right, we're back on Thursday talking to Banshees of Inner Sheeran, revealing the winner of this week's clash. Until then, have a great week. Bye bye. Clash of the Titles is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 